All right. So I guess before people dive right into this, I just want to give like a little warning that there's some topics in there that are a little heavy. So I guess if you're like not in a really good headspace right now, maybe you should avoid it. So um, there's topics like about like suicide, uh, sexualized trauma, uh, substance abuse, etc. So just throwing that out there. But also, I guess I didn't really throw in my background a little bit, like my diagnosis. Yeah, you don't know my name, but you don't, but you're about to know my diagnosis. So let's go. Um, I have a PTSD diagnosis and a depression diagnosis, so that leaves me with like some pretty, pretty heavy thoughts, like a lot of the time. But also want to say this is not like a self-help podcast or anything like that. This is just a dude talking about their journey and continuing on and learning and growing throughout this messy chaos. So uh, I'm gonna start it off with playing a song by one of my best friends. Uh, it's called Rain Dance, and this is fucking Pablo Fletcher. Thank you guys. Enjoy. So, um, where to get started? Welcome to the first adventure that is going to be the journey of my mind on lots of random tangents of a plethora of things. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to just, like, in my life I know a variety of different people who explore a multitude of topics that just fascinate them and just fascinate me and I just... I would like the opportunity to explore their ideas and explore my ideas within their ideas and just, you know, even explore your guys' ideas and you can bring them to me along the way because that's what I'm hoping to do with this. Um, I'm hoping to, like, learn more about, like, behavioral health and mental health issues throughout this and politics, race, so just so much. I'm not going to limit this because I would be doing myself a disservice and you a disservice and life a disservice. But... Um, I've always been super fascinated by psychology, the individual, just us as humans, why we do the things we do, why we react the way we react to things, why we exist on this earth as little skin beans with consciousness that just do things. It's so fascinating. I love it. Um, but I guess I should give like a little background into why I'm doing the thing that I'm doing. Um, my name is Dominic, by the way. Um, I come from a Mexican and Puerto Rican household. My dad is Mexican. He was an immigrant. My mom is Puerto Rican. And I have a half-sister. And she's pretty cool, too. Just kidding. She's cool. And that was my 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 little nucleus, that, the home I grew up in. Um, I, we were in a military family. Well, my mom was in the military, so we kind of bounced around all over the place. So, anyway. Ever since I was a little kid, I have feel like I've always been a little bit in tune with 
people and just things that seem not right around the world. And I was always just like, oh, man, what the? That's awful. That fucking sucks, dude. I remember being in kindergarten and like learning about like Martin Luther King and stuff like that and just feeling this is heavy weight of like, oh, my God, that's so awful. And then, of course, that's not even like the worst thing that's happened to the black community in America. So but just I just remember honing in on some certain things in life that just was like, oh, my God, dude life is a little bit rough for some people and that just continued to develop into just like an outpour of emotions as a kid and whatnot uh feelings weren't like a big thing we did in the house we didn't talk and I think a lot of that is cultural and as I get older and as I'm an adult I learned that's not actually that uncommon in the culture of like Latino households like just suppression of like feelings and talking just like it's just not big and I hope that is something that we in this future generation can keep um that we can change like we can just express ourselves and keep going and doing the thing so that being said um i was not like terribly good at expressing myself i remember just like hiding things and just like keeping to myself and just manifesting just so much like bah! and being really energetic and like asking all these different questions just exploding all over the place getting in trouble in school because i was just not maintaining like all that energy that I was just yeah anyway so this keeps going on and then I get to like middle school we dip out of it like where we're living to overseas and I'm living in Germany which is a crazy experience and um with that um my sister moves out and I become like an only child and then like not only did I have a companion I'm just like keeping all these more things to myself and I'm developing like even worse habits of being super super duper quiet but also at this time in life, um, my cousin, he passes away from sixth grade summer going on to seventh grade summer. And I remember like having like a shock, like, holy fuck, death, death, death is something that happens. Obviously, at the point I knew it had occurred, but it had never been like right in front of my face. And I remember just fucking be like, oh, my God, like anything can happen to anybody at any moment. We can all just be fucking gone. And the ex- existential dread started setting in a lot. And with that, I developed really bad habits. This is where I started to learn about self-harm. And I would, like, um, I would, like, self-harm on my, like, legs and, like, with just, like, sharp objects and just hold on to things that were warm and just have that release that I could not get with just using my, my own personal expression with words that it was just not happening. So I was finding these really bad habits that I developed and that just keep progressing and progressing. And I get into high school and... Woo, high school, dude, anybody knows being a teenager is hard to navigate. But at this point in time, I thought I was just super duper normal, just feeling all these like normal hormones, being mad, sad, angry, grumpy, like, oh, dude, I'm just a fucking teenage boy. Ah! I was a dick. That's really what it was. I was a sad dick. <laughs> sad dick. And I was just mean to people. And of course, I had, fr- like, I had friends. I was not like a complete asshole, but I was just not nice to people if I was having a bad day you could have been my friend you could be my girlfriend I was just not navigating personal relationships to the best of my ability and in high school I cling to a persona of like being straight edge which is no drinking no drugs no sex like I'm fucking I'm cool I don't do that and I my my attitude went through the roof because I developed like a superiority complex and so that tuning in to people being super like empathetic and like concerning myself fucking went out the window by this point in time and which is super sad and I was not aware of it but it you do what you got to do at some points in time so 
I was just being a jerk and not like really understanding it. I just thought I was being a teenage boy, just being, just being learning hormones as best as I could. And with that, it transferred over into college. And so college, I was like, oh, fuck yeah, freedom. I have the freedom to do whatever I need to do. And yeah, that was, that was not as cool as I thought it would be. That's when everything that I was suppressing and just hiding just came to a surface. Like I was obsessed with being depressed. I fucking loved it, dude. I would wake up feeling like shit. And I was like, you know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna feel like shit even more. Cause it's a feeling like shit party. And I would lay in bed probably like all day and like ruminate through these thoughts of like, man, I'm just gonna fucking off myself. I could just off myself. I should just do that. And then I would just fall asleep and 12 hours would pass or something. Or I would like lay in my dorm room with my roommate and we'd just watch our random TV shows. Cause dude, bro, he's probably depressed too. We were just laying in our beds watching TV shows all day, skipping our classes, not giving a fuck. But I also had a girlfriend and some friends at the time who I think if they were to see that, they'd probably be like, uh, are you all right? But I, I was, I am the master at putting on this mask of, yeah, I'm fine. I'm happy. Let's fucking do some fun stuff and just laugh it off. I can do that if I need to, but it is unhealthy. So at this point in time, I was able to do that. Like, I wasn't letting my girlfriend know that I was feeling these thoughts. Maybe I was a little bit grumpy to her and I wasn't, and I was shutting her away, which is typical. Like when you're depressed, you will push people away that you are in relationships with because you don't think you're worthy of that. I didn't think I was worthy of it. So I was like, dude, fuck you. Like, leave me alone. I'm just going to disappear. And so that's what I did. And that is not fair to anybody that you're in a relationship with when you develop these bad habits and you just start pushing them away because you're in a bad spot. So that being said, I was not super aware of what I was doing, but I had like, an inkling that I was feeling like shit more so than usual and it was just something that was not going away and I loved it because it became like a home and a safety place to just like feel like crap all the time and nobody would judge you because you had no one there to judge you. So um, I moved into an apartment after that year of my first year in college. By the way, I had failed like my first semester of college because I just slept through and just didn't give two fucks because I was just in this awful, awful rut. Um, so from there, I'm just to my sophomore year of college and I'm living with these two guys. They're super chill. They're super cool. Excuse me. And I get into like a new relationship and that's going fine and dandy and I'm doing my thing. And, but at this point in time, I am starting to feel bad, but I'm also trying to like avoid sleep and do all these different things because like when I was sleeping, I have really bad nightmares and I didn't want to feel those. I didn't want to experience those nightmares. So I was finding ways to like talk to people, get like medicine and just like avoid that reality. But mind you, I was also still straight edge. So it was like a little dirty secret that I had, like no one can know this, but I'm just doing what I need to, to survive because the thoughts that I'm having are just not what I want to be dealing with in this moment or ever. So finally, all of this comes to a head and I just fucking gather all these pills and I don't tell anybody. I take them and I drink them down with alcohol and I fucking break my straight edge and I end up in the hospital. But thankfully that night I had contacted two friends, Nick Rogers and Nelly Loduca, and they were able to get me where I needed to be to make sure I was safe and not as bad as I could have been. So shout out to them always. Um, from there, the way the behavioral health system, at least in Arizona works, it's not very user-friendly. It's not very friendly to the people who are in it, which is very sad. Um, I was thrown into like a detox ward with people who are going through narcotic withdrawals, substance abuse, just all different things. Nothing super unrelated to me, but I imagine they saw like all this medication in my system and they're like, oh, dude, this dude's probably just, he's probably just on drugs. 
So that's probably that's where they put me. But I was just realistically, I was just trying to fucking kill myself. Like really, I'm I was done with the world. Um. But honestly, that was a really humbling experience for me because at this point in time, I was super judgmental towards people who were addicted to drugs. I was like, dude, you make that fucking choice. Oh, look how stupid of you. Like, how could you decide to put something in your body and just let your life go? You know, very ignorant, very entitled, very just holier than thou persona that I was holding. It's probably no wonder that I felt like shit because it was just a massive amount of projection because I was doing the same thing, which is just like numb my mind. But, you know, I was able to be like, I'm straight edge. Anyway, I joined... Well, I didn't join. I was able to partake in like narcotic anonymous meetings, alcoholics anonymous meetings, and just all these different related to substance abuse meetings that were just enlightening. I had learned different stories about people and their scenarios that they went through, some that were human trafficking, people that were just abandoned, people that were in a surgery and they just weren't able to like find or were able to get medicine again. And granted, people make choices, but you never know what happens to people. And it opened up my worldview and let me know, you know what, I should probably shut my fucking mouth before I just start casting judgment on the people because you never know what is going to happen to anybody or yourself one day because you might end up right there with them just hanging out. You know what I mean? And this is not the end. I did not learn my lesson by any means whatsoever. So I got discharged from this hospital. I set up some mock appointment with a psychiatrist because when you leave, they're like, you need a plan to make sure you don't end up back here again. But, you know, it's just so they can check out their boxes and get you the fuck out of there and fill in the next bed. With some money. Just kidding. Not really. Um, so I got out. I got assigned a psychiatrist. He fucking was like, you're bipolar. And I was like, yeah, not really, but cool. But at this point in time, I was not super aware of my diagnosis. I just I just let it happen. I was like, yeah, you fucking give me whatever label you want to give me. Just give me some medicine because maybe I'll feel better. So I was, but I also knew how to lie to get some kind of medications to just help with the negative thoughts I was having because I was just like, dude, you guys are stupid, but you are pill pushers. So I will get what I need because I feel like shit. And I still maintained that little dirty secret, dirty habit throughout this. So I was getting my Ambien. He also hooked it up with Adderall and all kinds of fucking shit that I just did not need. And I don't ever remember talking about my feelings with this dude. He just saw my little chart from the hospital. Like, yeah, here's some pills. Get the fuck out of here. So I move to a different city and I'm doing that. And I'm still developing these bad habits. I'm still finding pills. I'm still, like, trying to, like, just numb the racing, aching thoughts of life all the time. And then uh, I end up back in the hospital again, maybe, like, less than five months later. I do the same thing. I take a shit ton of medicine. Um, I don't really know how I ended up there, but I remember, like, my friend kicked my door down. Shout out, Michael. And then the police were there, and I, I don't really know. But the reason this one's a little bit important because I ended up in the hospital, but I was denied. I was like, I don't need to be here. Like, leave me alone. Like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I am maintaining. I was in super denial. And I was like, get me the fuck out of here. But when I was stating that, they were like, yeah, no, you were just recently hospitalized. So if you tried to leave, we're going to get a state order. And it's just going to get super worse from there. Because if you get state ordered and you don't want to end up in a state psychiatric facility because that is not the jam. It's really bad conditions. And... I was kind of aware because I've heard people in, like, you know, the groups, like, they talk and you're like, oh, dude, you don't want to end up there because that's going to be a super shitty place. And so they sat me down in a room with, like, two cops and were like, hey, dude, if you don't do this, we're going to fucking, like, kick you out of here and it's going to be a lot worse. So I was, I was like, all right, I'll stay here and be stable, if you will. But I was just trying to get the fuck out of there ASAP. And that time I developed a plan and had to go see a psychiatrist. And when I was leaving this time, I was like, eh, I'll give it a little bit more effort. 
So I ended up with the doctor. His name was... I ended up with the psychiatrist. I'm not going to name drop him because whatever. Um, and we tried a cocktail of different kinds of medication throughout this process. I don't even know how many. I could probably... It was at least like 15... To my, there was a shit ton. And also, like, I was able to use him to get what I needed to just not feel the way that I needed to. And that's a really shitty way, but I didn't know any better. So that went on for whew, quite some time. I'm going to say I saw that man for about three years. But in this process, a lot of things changed for me, and I'll get into that right now. So by this point in time, I was leaving a relationship, and I think she and I had both we're, we were both going through some pretty like hefty like behavior like mental mental health issues and so it was just really toxic and we were just feeding off one another and I finally come to a head and we were like deuces dude like fuck fuck off we but you know what that's life relationships happened and we were not in a mental spot to handle each other as well as we could and it could have been handled a lot better and moving on right so with that I start working in school I start working with kids doing this thing um, I meet my now wife and we, I, we start dating, doing the thing. And at this point in time, I transition. It's a very transition, like transition period for me because I'm getting this like relationship. She has a daughter. So then I'm starting to fill this role of a dad. I am now a dad. I am taking on this new role. And so my mental health becomes a bigger factor in this because like I'm navigating a really serious relationship and I shouldn't be wish-washy, I shouldn't be isolating, I shouldn't be pushing people away and just doing the things that happen when you get really bad and depressed. But I didn't know any better, so I still did the same old shit that I would do and, like, push people away and, like, isolate and do the whole nine yards. I was I was clockwork. I, I knew it was happening. Like, I knew when I was going to get upset. I knew when I was going to... It was just bad, and I wasn't doing anything to help myself. And I was also maintaining this little facade of trying to be happy as best as I can, but also being fucking miserable on a day-in and day-out basis. I just did not want to be alive. I have a very small attachment to being alive. It's something that's fleeting on a day-in, day-out basis, but it's a comfortability that I'm with, that I'm okay with now. <clears throat> Sorry that I sound out of breath. Um, sometimes I get super excited and I just talk really fast, really, really, really fast, and then it sounds like I just ran a mile, but I'm a little bit chubby, and um, sometimes I sound out of breath because I get excited, and that's okay. So that's what you're hearing right now. It's not because I'm terribly chubby, but <laughs> anyway, so I'm still doing the thing that I do in relationships and being like really like hesitant and not, not embracing a healthy attachment style. So, um, I'm working with kids, but then I transition to a new job. I'm starting to work in behavioral health and it's fantastic. It's lovely. I, it was probably the best decision I could ever make in my life. And shout out to the person who gave me that opportunity. I hope to have them on here one day and she can talk all kinds of shit about behavior health and behavior analysis and it'll blow your mind because to this day, it blows my mind and I love it and I'm super thankful. But working in behavior health completely shifted my worldview or at least turned on back the worldview that I was able to feel when I was young. Being like, oh my God, dude, that is awful. How did that happen to you? That's ridiculous. I am so sorry. So... I started working in behavioral health by opening like a summer group home, if you will, for kids who were doing respite. And it was a bunch of teenage boys who had different walks of life, different stories. And they taught me so much by just being so full of life and love and acceptance, no matter what, like no matter how awful their experience was. And I was super appreciative of them just accepting me and 
fucking just being super cool kids and I've been able to like maintain with some of them and see them progress and it's fantastic how they're doing and I I love it. But from working there I transitioned into like a residential facility and I start working with kids in the lowest of low situations and initially that was super triggering for me because I had been in the hospital. I'd been there and the smells are similar, the interactions are similar and I was like, "Oh my god, dude, like I don't know if I can handle this. I love this job, but maybe working in this field is not good for me because it's something that I'm not going to be able to handle all the time and I can't be a good role model for effective mental health practices. I don't know, that's a really bad way to put it. If I'm not like the prime candidate and like I'm not the prime tip top of my own mental health, but fuck it, dude. I was I loved it and I was able to be like, "You know what, dude? I can handle this and I learned how to navigate that environment fantastically." It's still sometimes it was super triggering, but I was able to like, "Okay, deep breaths, calm down, musa, 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 musa." And I would learn these kids' stories, and you would learn their backgrounds, and you would learn, like, their behaviors, and, and you would know, since you would know their backgrounds, you'd be like, oh, my God, dude, like, this happened to you, and you react this way because of that. And sometimes they didn't even know that, so you would have, like, maybe have these conversations, and you see, like, that light turn on, and they would be like, oh, fuck yeah, dude, you're right. Because, like, they don't know their own trauma history and, like, how trauma can shape their behaviors throughout life. And I was doing that, and at the time, my fiancé, well, my now wife, um, she was, she had gotten pregnant and I was like, oh fuck dude, I need to, I need to find a, a, another big boy job. So I found a different job in the community, still working behavioral health, but working like one-on-one with these teenagers, these families, these kids. But that allowed me to jump into a whole other world because I was jumping into like group homes. I was jumping into hospitals like Palo Verde Sonora the hospital that you go to when you are in a really bad critical state, like mentally or just anyway. And I'll also see them in like the detention centers, like, um, PCJCC, which is the juvenile detention center, like kid jail, if you will, if you don't know what juvenile court is. Um, and that was just a whole other world. I was going into their reality. So any like idea I had of what I thought someone had been through, because you can read someone's chart and be like, oh yeah, cool, whatever. And then you meet these kids and you have such a personal relationship and you learn their background, you learn about their family, their family like brings you in. And it is it is beautiful. I think and everyone should work in their community at least once to get that just like understanding of people because that's just something that I had never fully grasped until I was just thrown into it. But working in that and trying to manage my own mental health was super duper hard because at this point in time, my daughter was born. So now I was a dad of two, so I had two daughters and I was taking on the weight of these kids and their families. And I was taking on the struggles of like being like a dad to a newborn and not getting any sleep and learning how to navigate a family of four now because of me, my lady, and my two girls, the daughters. And it's just so many things that were foreign to me and I was just not handling them fantastically and I was just crashing down tremendously. And I was just not communicating. I was not expressing myself. I was just digging myself into a hole, like a big, deep, dark hole in this process. And it led me to finally be like, you know what, dude? I need to like get into like some, some serious therapy. Cause I had not done therapy. I am super anti therapy. I was super anti therapy at that point in time, but I was like, I'm still going to do like psychiatry so I can get medication. Cause I was still on that little kick, which is oof, excuse me. So I see this therapist and psychiatrist and she gets me on benzos, which is if you know what anxiety is and like how these medications work. Benzos are probably like the cream of the crop if you were just trying to debilitate these things. So I was able to do that and just 
collect a bunch of medicine and make my day foggy. So any reality that I had was just gone. But at the same time, this lady, she was doing psychotherapy and unlocking some pretty hefty memories that I had just suppressed for a lot of my life. And in this moment, like during this time, I had found out that I had experienced sexualized trauma when I was a kid, but I experienced it from about fourth to fifth grade primarily. Um, And it was something that I was not aware of and understanding and able to process because I think we had moved from the place that we were to another place and I was able to run and avoid it and just push it away. And sometimes that's how trauma manifests. People who experience trauma at a young age, they're able to suppress it and just push it away so it resurfaces when they're older or at another time. And that's what was happening to me. And just the fucking weight of that was so... It was overwhelming. Like, what... I feel like my autonomy was just ripped from me. Like, something that was so innocent, so just pure, was just fucking shattered. My reality was shattered. Like, like my, my life was... Not my life was taken from me, but a part of me that I, would, I wouldn't have been able to understand as well was just taken because that's just something that should not happen to anybody at any point in their life. And so I was dealing with that as an adult male. I was... What am I, 26 now? So I was like 24, 23, I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. I was old enough to just have my reality shifted and just, it came all crashing down. So with that not being processed effectively, having this lovely cocktail of medicine that I could just collect for like any reason, like I was able to have like Ambien, um, she had me on some Xanax and Klonopin. It was a hefty cocktail of medicine. And it was distorting my reality. It was making me feel super suicidal, like, to the max. It was just every day. Like, because usually I can, like, push it out. But this, it came to a head, like, more so than ever before. And so I had attempted to kill myself. And (laughs) it's not funny. But I was a pretty big dude at that time because of all the medicine that I had taken in my life. And I was, it was bad. But luckily it had not gone successfully. And I had expressed this to my partner and happened and then I was just like fuck it I'm just I'm just done like I'm out of here like I can't I can't handle this and I just skedaddled and that was a super shitty way to handle that situation but then uh I go to one of the local hospitals to like one of the local psychiatric facilities to check myself in right and when I'm doing this um before I do it I take a shit ton of medicine like because I I've been hoarding like because it's just it was my dirty little habit I was just hoarding all this medicine and I was like, I'm just going to, it, it was a shit ton of pills. Like, oh, yeah. anyway, so I do this, I take those and I walk into this psychiatric facility and I go to check myself in. But at the time I had been going to this hospital because I used to go see kids there to like help them out and whatnot. And <laughs> this guy, he probably doesn't remember, but I super do remember. He walks out of the back room. This is the guy I worked with at the, at the agency I was with at the time. And he like looked at me, and I looked at him, and I had like my little backpack on. I looked like shit because I had not, I hadn't like I hadn't slept well, and I was just like burnt because I was just, I was suffering from the void of life. And he looks at me, and I'm like, don't like I'm. He's like, why are you here? And I'm like, don't you fucking talk to me, dude. I'm like, I'm here to check myself in and just deal with this fucking gaping hole in like my, just this gaping hole. And I sh- like shushed him away because it was like super embarrassing, but also super humbling and kind of just a little bit funny because I'm sure the lady there, because she has seen me all the time just coming to check in and she's like, what? Okay, like I'm not going to question it. But 
you go to the in, the intake process, and what I'm doing there, they're like, oh, so like, do you have any like drugs in your system? I'm like, well, I took a bunch. Of, like by this time, I was like, all the pills were like hitting, and I'm like going in and out, and like reality is just distorted. And they're like, no, I was like, yeah, I have like all this medicine. They're like, oh, dude, you need to get the fuck out of here because if you overdose and die, like we're liable. We don't have that. So they literally need to transfer me probably across the street, which is probably maybe like a five minute walk, but it ended up being like a fucking fifteen hundred dollar ambulance ride to go like thirty seconds. Because I decided to make a stupid fucking decision. Um, so I end up at the regular hospital so they can watch me detox. And this, I'm going in and out of delirium. I have so many medicines like running throughout my body. And um, I pretty much had gone missing. Like my family didn't know where I was. My like fiance didn't know where I was. Nobody knew where I was because I just, I was fucking a hot mess and I did not care. I was just out of touch with reality by this point in time. It had just come to a head. All these years of things that just, boof, it was a big fucking perfect storm. So, um, I end up in the regular hospital and when you try to attempt suicide, you, you either end up in a like, hospital like that, that's like a psychiatric hospital, or you end up in a regular hospital. You, get, you end up in a multitude of places you can go. At this point in time, I was in the hospital with a suicide watch dude who sits by you for about 72 hours, and usually you can kind of, like, um, you can kind of shoot the shit with them sometimes, because they're friendly. Dude, you're in the lowest low. Like, you just tried to die. You done, you had done, you had done fucked up. Like, <laughs> I guess as low as you could. And they're pretty cool and talk to you, but this guy, I had, I had been going off on tangents and just shit talking, just doing all these different things, and... I don't know why I had my phone, like, who who the fuck was like, you should give this kid, this guy who was out of his mind, a phone to, like, I guess the man to contact and try to contact, but I was not contacting people, but I was slightly coherent enough to know that my dad was, like, in another state, because they don't live here, but he was traveling from California to Arizona to, like, back to home to where he lives, and so I had thought he was in Arizona, and I, I swear to God, dude, I was, I was hearing him call me by my, by my nickname, Bean, Bean, like, where are you, Bean? And I'm like carrying this. I'm like, what? My dad, my dad's calling me. My dad's calling me. And the dude that's watching me is just like, what the fuck? And he's like, he's finally getting annoyed with me, like in my shit. And I was like, my dad's calling me. He calls me Bean. My dad calls me that. And this guy just looks at me. He's like, your dad calls you nothing. And needless to say, that guy and I, (laughs) yeah, that was, that, that was just like how chaotic it had been. And in the midst of this, the next day happens. And I had still been missing, like, not really expressing to people where I'm at because I can't, dude. Like, I'm having so much medication, like, exiting my body. I'm going through, like, super crazy stuff. They had me, like, on seizure. Like, anyway. But I had one friend. He was able to locate me. His name's Pablo. He has some... We will talk about Pablo eventually. But he was able to locate me in this madness. And he's like, damn, you done. You fucked up. And I probably said something stupid, but I don't really remember. But him being able to find me sticks out a lot and I'm super thankful for him but then I get transferred over to the psychiatric facility and this was probably my the best time that I've ever had in a psych facility because um just the milieu of people that I was with was fantastic um all walks of life oof excuse me dude I had to have just eaten so I'm kind of burpy but there's all kinds of walks of life of people that I had that I had never met before, and it was lovely. There were people my age, people a bit older than me, older people who were just, like, gotten in a bad spot, and the staff there were kind of hit or miss, but for the most part, they weren't really into it, and us as the clients, we were like, dude, what the hell? Like, like this is super half, 
half-assed attempt at treatment that you're trying to give us. And so they would try to do some groups and we'd be like, nah, dude, let's, let's, let's take it over. Let's do our own talking. Let's communicate with one another. And the staff that were really cool and not ego tripping and be like, no, this is my group. You listen to me. We're like, go ahead. You, Jesus, take the wheel. By Jesus, he means all. By Jesus, they meant like all the fucking crazy people in the psych ward day room just hanging out, having a good time. We were the Jesus of the psych ward taking the wheel. So as this metaphorical psych, psychiatric patients of Jesus start taking the wheel, we have a good time. We start bonding. We start learning all these different things about one another. And we start sharing our stories and start sharing their stories. And we're like, oh, man, dude, how can we relate this to our life? And it was beautiful. I loved it. Also, we were kind of we were kind of assholes, but we we're also trying to see like how well they were like paying attention to us. You know what I mean? So we made little origami swan like swans one day during our group. And in the day room, they have like little cameras to see what you guys are doing and they can watch and just make sure like Big Brother is watching the crazies all day long. And so <laughs> we make these swans and we cover the cameras to see how long we can get away with it. And it was a good it was a good day. So that passes. The morning happens and we're sitting at our table. I'm me, this guy, this girl we're eating and this nurse, she and I had gotten to like a few arguments because I was just I questioned a lot of things because I had been working in the field and I was just like, dude. Like, why are you doing that? You know that's wrong. And anybody who is being questioned in their job is not going to like it. But you know what, dude? I'm going there for treatment. Other people going there for treatment. I have kids that I work with that are going there for treatment. And if I'm being like, wow, this is fucking low-quality shit, dude, I'm just expressing myself, and that's my right to file that grievance. Anyway, that's the argument this nurse and I got into. So she fucking books it down the kitchen, the cafeteria, whatever, where we're eating, and she's like, you, you guys, you've put the things in the camera. You work in this field. You know better. You shouldn't be doing this. And, dude, we got a good, like, cackle out of it. But at the same time, I was like, well, also, what were you doing for so long that you just barely realized that the cameras were covered? Because I asked, like, like, did you just now realize the swans are covering the camera? Because it's been a very long time, ma'am. And she just turned fucking red. And she's like, yeah, but you should have. Yes, I should have known better. But you know who also should have known better? You. Anyway, that was just, it was a lovely experience. But also, I had met my therapist that shifted, that just shifted for me. Um, I signed up for IOP when I was in this. Before I discharged, um, I actually had a different plan. Because when you discharge, you're supposed to have a plan. But this time, I actually had a plan that I was going to follow through with. So I signed up for IOP, which is Intensive Outpatient Programming. And that was therapy three times a week for three hours. So it was like Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. So Monday, three hours, Wednesday, three hours, Thursday, three hours. And it was group therapy. We talked about relationships. We talked about self. We talked about all these different things. But like I said, I had been super anti-therapy. I'd be like, this is fucking stupid, dude. I'm not going to talk about my feelings because emotions were just not things that I was comfortable talking about. I was like, this is dumb, stupid, fuck off. But I applied that in group therapy. And my therapist, the group, the lady who ran it, Emily, Shout out Emily. She pulled me aside when we had our little intermission and she said, dude, like, what are you doing? You're wasting my time. You're wasting their time. You're wasting your time by giving these half-assed answers. If you're not going to try, just go home. Go home. I don't want you here. I don't need you here. You don't need you here. Like, And she was right. I had seen many doctors, many psychiatrists before, and they had never been like, yo, you're full of shit. Like, why are you a scared little boy? Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you wasting time here? Like, let's get some help. Let's get this show on the road, motherfucker. And she did that. And so I started partaking in therapy. And I was able, it, it was a couple months and it went by, it flew by. But initially, when I was starting therapy, before I did it, I went to go see Pablo. 
And I was like, dude, I don't want to do therapy. Like, I don't want to do this. And he and I had like a very good heart to heart conversation about like, we're both dads, like therapies, like you just need to work on yourself as much as you can because you are a dad. Now things are going to be a little bit different in mental health. This is the lowest I'd ever been. This is the most I'd ever fucked up. And he was an extra push because I was, I was almost like, eh, I'm not going to go to that therapy. Fuck that. And he's like, no, no, do that dude. Because that's just what you always do. That's what's just like, that's just what we always, that's the pattern we create as being depressed being down we create this pattern of hopelessness that we cannot be better but no we can fucking be better eventually so i did it and i half ass partaked and she called me out and i but i finished i graduated from that program successfully i was able to do it um but that's still not that's still not the the craziest end so with that i was learning all these different things and the lady who was running that group therapy, she became like my individual therapist. And I was super glad to be able to score that because that's rare to find someone you have a good rapport with and then keep it on and manifesting it. So I started doing one-on-one with her and learning all these different things about myself, exploring like my childhood, exploring myself, exploring my relationships and how I can navigate them, this, that, and the other. And then one of the worst things that's ever happened to me happened. My best friend, he, Pablo, he lost the battle of depression. He he killed himself. This happened in October, almost two years ago. I was just hanging out with my my fiance at the time, and I get a call up like, "Yo, dude, go go check, go go." Like, have you heard from him? No, I haven't heard from him, but I'll hit him up. Which is weird because I was gonna hit him, him, check on him earlier in that day because he and I experienced these same feelings, and I was just working. I didn't get to it, and. For some reason, when I got that message, like, my heart sank. I was like, no, because he was supposed to have... Anyway, my heart sank, and I was just like, I don't know, but I'm going to go check. I'm going to go check right now. So I called a couple other friends, his roommate, and they all jumped the gun to go check and see if he's okay. So I start heading down there, and then, like, maybe two and a half minutes from leaving my house, I get the call, and it's just like, yo, no, it's not good. He's he's not good. So we get I get to his house, and the fucking reality sets in. He's gone there's cops, there's lights, there's everything flashing. And I, what, what was something I had done myself, like an attempt I have done had become a reality that was successfully done by somebody else. And that's the thing about suicide. And that's the thing people always, I think rummage through like, Oh, what could I have done? What could I have said? What could have this person done more? What could have, it's just, that's just not something that kind of plays a role in this because there's not something anybody can do to help a person in that situation because I because it's a choice and choices always have outcomes and outcome can be either good kind of good or bad and unfortunately when you do when you have a suicide attempt you're either going to end up all right and on the other side you're going to end up all right on the other side maybe not as well as you were before and it kind of fucked up because you never know what can happen to your body when you make that decision to end your life because you're doing something that's just against just all natural biological functions and so you either have that or you or you die you're fucking dead that is those are the outcomes and so unfortunately he made a decision in a really bad spot that just ended him that his his outcome was death and that's it was heartbreaking i my my world was fucking shattered not not because of like, well, yes, because of the individual, but because it was just like, I, it's just something you cannot explain. But he was just a big catalyst for me to like want to explore even more to get this like understanding of the individual of like 
us like why why we feel such immense pain why we while we go down the path why we are the way we are because we're all so all over the place and that is okay that's life and i'm not thankful but i will always hold a really strong place in my heart for him because when i was in the lowest of the low situations he was able there he was there to fight me and be that light and yes i will i will fully admit and go against what i just said about how there, there is no way that you can step in to save but sometimes I wish I was that guiding light in that moment. But he was—he is a beautiful human, and I am super thankful for him always. But that has—that was the catalyst for all these different changes. All these moments in life had come to a head and exploded, and has left me wondering why—why why we're here, why we are—why we are walking, why we are breathing, why we are bringing all these people into our lives, and how come they go, how come they fade, or why is there chaos? going on in that side of the world and it's a little bit peaceful there or why is it chaotic here or why does someone just hate someone off the color it's just that that shift was so minute so crazy and just so just wow and i hope being able to discover new ideas and explore the the way we process these things it can help and we are all in this together in life. Like life is a beautiful mess. It is a beautiful heartache. It is all these different things that we can all understand if we sit down and just have this conversation about it. And maybe all coming together in this chaos, we won't feel so heavy. We won't feel so alone. We won't feel so just exhausted all the time. Because I'd say we only get this life once, but that's really arrogant, ignorant for me to say. But we only get this moment once that we're experiencing and if it's not as good as we can make it we should just strive day in and day out and i know sometimes that's way harder and it seems impossible and that is okay impossible right now yes but maybe one day we can get there but this is this is my why this is my journey this is what i hope to discover along this process and i'm thanks guys like thanks for the super long tangent i super appreciate anybody who listened to it all all love we got this. Let's go.